Welcome to another episode of Infinity X, where we give a stage and microphone to human excellence in the pursuit of never-ending opportunities and merging ecosystems with world-renowned entrepreneurs and influencers. Now, here's your host, David Harder. From the production studios of Epic Financial Strategies here in Red Bank, New Jersey, we are Infinity X, giving a stage and microphone to human excellence in the constant pursuit of creating opportunities, ecosystem mergers, investment strategies, investment opportunities, and opportunity to model after entrepreneurs who have been there, done that, and are building things that you want to pay attention to. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dave Harder, co-founder of Infinity X. Welcome to our Tuesday, September 20th uh, session of Infinity X. Again, stage and microphone, human excellence replay. We are infinityx.com. We are InfinityX YouTube. We are InfinityX app and on Spotify and all of the different podcasts that are out there. And ladies and gentlemen, I have had the good fortune of getting to know this evening's uh, this evening's guest, uh, Eric Pierce, uh, over the last couple of months. It, it, it started with a conversation when I was in Florida. And um, what uh, what what I was completely, completely caught off guard with is the fact that there is a massive amount of cash flow opportunity that exists in the world of boating. I had no idea. So this evening, you're going to get a real, real deep journey and um, you're going to get a tremendous amount of knowledge. Uh, from somebody who is operating at a super, super, super high level, not only entrepreneurially with him and his wife, uh, but in a specific area that you probably didn't see coming, but is definitely an opportunity that you don't want to not pay attention to what Eric is up to. Eric, what's up this evening, brother? How are you? Doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. What's going on? You camera on there? Can I see you? Where are you at? Well, I'm trying to trying to get it working here. It's Oh, um, I'm getting a message telling me the host has disabled the video. Oh, okay. So you enabled- <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my audio visual team, Danny Drew, Parker Russo. Guys, make it happen on a weekend and week, week out basis here on Infinity X. Well, anyway, while we're trying to get your uh, your video enabled there, brother, what's going on, man? How are you doing this evening? Doing good. Doing good, man. Um, there, there we go. go. You can see the uh, the bed in the background. I'm actually yep. over at my, at my parents right now. We're having a little family dinner, a little family get together. And uh, I'm a realist. I'm a, I'm a real dude. So I'm never afraid to show the real backgrounds. Hell yeah, man. Let's... Go ahead. Now I was going to say, you got to keep it. You got to keep it a hundred, man. You absolutely look, if there's anything fake, you know, people are going to sniff it out, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, if you, if you watch my social media and so on, um, I like to post, you know, I post pretty much daily and, and I like to show kind of the inside view of, you know, a business owner and trying to run an operation and things of that sort. Um, every, not everything gets in there. You know, I don't have a team. I don't have a, you know, videographer chasing me or an editor. I'm all of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm the editor. I'm the guy that's posting. I'm doing, I'm doing all that stuff. So it's, it's one of those things where um, uh, I just like to be real so people know I'm a real person and I go through the same things everybody else does. And, you know, even now I'm going, going through stuff now with the business. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where you, um, 
you learn faster. I think I like to get things, problems, issues. I like to get them done early. So I don't have to 10 years down the road. If you can Hmm. solve those problems early, when you get down the road, they're not as big. Well, I think that's a testament to, you know, when you're, when you're identifying goals, you have to identify goals based upon optimal outcome and then live your world based upon those positive outcomes. Like understand, okay, when this goal is, or when this outcome is favorable, the way that I foresee it taking place, I'm then going to do next. And so then you're going to operate in the mindset of abundance, right? Then you're going to operate in the mindset of, okay, I need to understand that when my optimal outcome happens, I'm going to have to do steps X, Y, and Z beyond that to continue to innovate and scale, right? Yep. That's exactly it. I mean, um, it's also one of those things where being an entrepreneur, you know, not all plans go mm-hmm. according to plan. Yeah. yeah. You got to be able to improvise. You got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to be creative. Yep. But I think pressure situations force creativity. And that's when you find um, things that you may not have found before. Because when there's no pressure, everything stays the same. It's comfortable. Sure. Life's, life's um, not clear, you know? Exactly. It's like yeah. you, you've got, if you really want to grow, if you really want to scale, get uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, the- it's, it, and it's never one of those things where it's like, Hey, let's go get uncomfortable. Usually it's something that happens and you get uncomfortable and then you have to dig deep, figure out what to do with it. Well, and there's always a solution. Yeah. And let's dig and let's dig deep with you, Eric. Right. Because I always share with the good folks out there that have uh, joined us on a week in and week out basis, um, you know, looking for looking for content, looking for golden nuggets from people who are do, operating at a real high level in areas that they've never had exposure to before um, that, you know, you don't know where you're at until you know where you're from, right? You know, and mm-hmm. everybody has a journey that has included trials, tribulations, positives, negatives. So yep. let's let's dive deep into your journey here, brother. Where are you from originally? Like, where'd you grow up? Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I was born and raised. Um, moved when I was uh, about a week before my 10th birthday um, to Florida. Okay. And I've been here ever since. So it's been, it's going on 30 years now. Big change. And, uh, Big change. Uh, my joke has always been we drove till we hit water and we backed up and lived there, backed up quarter mile and lived there. The funny thing is, is I haven't lived outside a two mile radius ever. I've moved a total of one, two, three times in 30 years. Yep. Pretty wild. Well, you're pretty in love with the spot that you're in. And, and like, yeah. And- Oh, and so your schooling, did, did you go to high school? Did you go to college down in the Florida area? Like, what, what did that look like? Um, my easy answer to that is I was homeschooled. So I did, um, I was basically self, you know, self-schooled. Um, I mean, obviously, you're not when you're a kid, you know, kindergarten and all that. You're not self-schooled, but you kind of are in a sense. Right. Um, uh, went through all the way through high school. Um, same thing. Never went to college. I basically started we had a family business and I started working um, in the family business when I was 16. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, always been a negotiator, always been uh, creative, always been seeing things, you know, other people didn't necessarily or seen, see something somebody else is doing, but see another way to do it. Um, what, what was the family business, Eric? Like what were you negotiating? It was a commodity brokerage firm. Oh. So um, I did um, 
it was basically like a, what they call an order clerk back in the days. So, you know, it's in the futures market. So some people say, well, stock market. Well, yeah, it's just a different market. It's the futures market. It's not the stock market, right? So basically you still have, you know, the orders to place when a client calls in, things of that sort. So I did that. Um, I helped, um, you know, helped uh, raise money or rather bring leads in that were potentially going to be clients. So I did a lot of really, it was, it was on sales online, internet marketing before there was internet marketing. Interesting. So what I had to be real great back then. Yeah. When, when was this? This was 2001, I oh. believe was my first year. Yeah. So this was still when the New York Mercantile Exchange was really, you know, was a thing, yep. you know, and there was the open outcry and all, you know, all that That's stuff. That's it. What were That's you trading? What were you trading back then? We traded, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 markets somewhere in there. Like it was a lot. Grains markets, metals, um, agriculture, S and P, you know, indices, currencies, all kinds of stuff. I remember looking at my computer screen back when computers were like a almost like a CTX monitor, you know, mm -hmm. about uh, four feet deep. They weighed about 490 pounds <laughs> and right. you were the man. If you had like six of them on your desk, yeah, your sure. desk was about to break, but you're the man. You had all the monitors. <laughs> That's what you know? definitely putting more. That's for sure. <laughs> it was hilarious. I look yeah. at my monitor and I, you know, I'd see all the markets. Most of the time I had no idea what I was looking at. Cause that wasn't my thing. That's, that's what my brother did. Cause my brother and I worked together. It was, again, it was a family business. Got it. Um, we had, it was dad's business. Dad started the business back in, 85 and check this out. He started out of the basement of, uh, of his condo. Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that at all. I was, yeah, I was, uh, three, yeah. two or three years old. Yep. So I grew up around entrepreneurship, you know, um, business negotiations, you know, dad was always doing deals, things like that, you know? So it was in my, it's in my DNA really. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when something's embedded into your DNA, you can either just like ignore it or you can really, really cultivate and harness it. And it sounds like you had the opportunity to do that right away. Now, what was it about? What was it about capital raise, right? Client engagement, raising money, what that, that excited you? And, and, and why did you gravitate towards that versus the actual trading? Well, I'll answer the second question first. Trading was never my thing. I never liked looking at charts. I didn't like reading signals. I didn't like that stuff. That was that was what my brother loved doing. Me, I'd rather be talking to the people. I loved talking to the people, talking about money, talking about deals, <clears throat> learning who they were, what they were doing, how they got where they got. Because, you know, the kind of people were, you know, we were uh, working with were big money people and we had funds, you know, other funds that were, uh, doing stuff with us. One guy was, um, I remember in particular, um, he was a, uh, a fund manager retired from it, but he was worth, uh, he was worth 5 billion. Ooh. Um, and you know, Ferrari collection houses all over the country. I don't mean houses. I mean, compounds, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're talking like Batman underground parking garage for his car collection, you know, that kind of stuff. You get on the phone with this dude and just listening to his voice was intimidating. Real deep <laughs> monotone voice. Like he'd drop an F-bomb. It would just like, it would just get you and to it, your core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, not, it's, it's like it would just shake you. Bomb, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
like right. like he used it with authority you know <laughs> and you're like if you're going to use that word that's how you use it right there you scare people <laughs> definition of it right yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so anyway i you know i liked um i like the client engagement side of it i like talking to the to the clients learning things about them hearing what they're doing shooting the breeze talking stories and i just i like i like the relationship that, that was one of the principles my uh, you know, raised us on and raised me on and just ingrained that you know, business is relationships. That's what it comes down to. Sure. You got relationships, you got a network, you're going to be fine. You know, you know, the other principle was do the right thing and the money will always be there. And um, I mean, that's the core of business. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Folks, we are Infinity X stage and microphone with human excellence. This is Eric Pierce. We are learning and hearing the journey of the entrepreneur started at a commodity brokerage firm, family owned, founded in the basement of his father's house, of hospital, of his father's condo back when he was uh, in 1985. Um, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, if you don't understand what that world is like, right, in terms of trading, you know, there are a few... There are very few things that touch on the core of the uh, of of human emotions, like making making financial transactions, particularly in things like the futures market. The volatility in the futures market can be off the charts, absolutely outrageous, it's nuts. And even the biggest traders—it's insane. It's insane. The biggest traders, and I had a number of clients, Eric, years ago, that were mercantile uh, mercantile exchange trainers, and you know their their best days were incredible, and their worst days or their challenging days were ugly. And the market can go against yeah. you quick, and next thing you know, you got a delivery of cattle coming to your, you know, to your, yeah. your front door, you know, if you don't execute on. Um, if you don't execute or, on, selling, you know, on selling the contract, right? Or the other thing, the other thing that happens, it's even worse than taking delivery is going into margin when oh. somebody over leverages and it's yeah. against the advice of the firm yep. and uh, they go in margin call and they have 50, yep. hundred grand, couple hundred thousand dollars, couple million dollars deep that they yep. have to pay off and they don't have, there's no time frame paid off. It's just now. Yeah. The cleaning firm called up and says, calling the margin call and uh, they got to pay up. You know, I've seen worst case scenario. I've seen, I mean, again, this was a small family owned business. This wasn't like a multinational or nationwide uh, business. Even though we had clients all over the world, we weren't that kind of size. It was still small business. Um, so the biggest, you know, margin call I can remember uh, hearing because my brother was the one that had, had to make those calls. Uh, was something like four and a half million dollars. Wow. Uh, oh but the God. guy that was trading, uh, this was just a side, you know, a hobby he had. And he called in and um, I remember hearing the conversation. Uh, it was basically along the lines of, um, without naming names. All right, sir. Well, you've got a, uh, you know, we got, we got to take care of this margin call. You, know, you got four and a half million dollars. And uh, he goes, oh, all right, I'll wire to you by the end of the day. This is just, you know, just play money anyway. No worries. We'll get back into it. And then he, he came back with, um, I'll send you, I'll send you another five. I'll send you another five in a couple of days or something like that. So he pays off his four and a half million dollar margin call. And a couple of days later, there's another wire that came in for like five and a half million or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> that's some serious dough to be playing around with right there. I mean, seriously. 
you know, and, and I'll tell you what, you know, what's amazing, you know, in the financial planning space that we operate in, Eric, as you know, yeah. you know we're always, you know, we're always working with clients to try to segment, you know, yep. a, segment assets, segment capital, like what's the goal, what's the goal and outcome for every dollar, you know? Right. Because, you no, know, I mean, if you're, if you're not appropriately positioned, I don't care if you're the wealthiest person, the wealthiest person in the world, if you're not appropriately positioned when, you know, when, when markets work against you, when, you know, pandemics work against you, whatever the case yep. is, you know, you're going to get yourself boxed in, you know, that's why it's just, it's so unbelievable. Like if you're going to use that type of money to play with, you have to be really, really, really well. Oh yeah. Well, no. now see this, this guy, um, I mean, to, to go a little deeper in that, this guy was a, a real estate investor. He owned um, apartment complexes, hotels, like uh, universities, um, mm. student housing. He owned all kinds of real estate. He basically owned, I, I like, I still got to be careful, uh, but he owned a large part of uh, cities within a large state in our, uh, in our country. Um, not the largest state, but one of the bigger states and he owned a lot of property. And so it was literally play money for him. And I had never seen anything like that before. That was my, that was my introduction to <laughs> serious play money. And I was like, I want to do that one of these days. <laughs> well, okay. So you were like, listen, I want to do that. Now, when did you come to the conclusion that you did not want to stay with the family business? Like what happened next? Um, well, first of all, uh, we ended up selling the business after 28 years. So that was what, 10, 10 years ago, but it was never my passion. I did it because, uh, I felt like I had, I had, you know, owed my family something because they raised me, they took care of me, um, you know, as a kid, all that stuff helped me find my feet and all that. And it was kind of my contribution back to the family. Um, and so from that point, it was like, I was always into yachts, uh, you know, luxury real estate, um, uh, you know, private jets, exotic cars, you know, high-end watches, things of that sort. That was all, that's always been my passion. <clears throat> and every, you know, people oftentimes look down and like, well, that's, you know, that's too much money or something like that. I'm like, it's not about the money. Mm. It's about what do I like? And that's the stuff I liked. I always been attracted to it. You know, I was the, I was the kid at what, seven, eight, nine years old, 12 years old. I had stacks, literally four foot stacks of Rob Report magazine, DuPont registry. I had, you know, controller magazine, which was the big, um, you know, private aviation uh, jets for sale stuff. Before we had the internet, we had magazines. And in those magazines, you had stuff for sale. And you'd call yeah. the number you'd see on the page. Yep. And, yep. uh, and that's, I used, I would call the jet brokers and get information on the jets. Like I was going to buy one just so I could get the full information on it. So I'd receive like these packages in the mail and stuff like that. And I just, I just, you know, really, uh, enjoyed it, you know? So that's how that started. So I was like, one of these days I got to find something in the passion and what I like and make money with it because if I'm going to enjoy it, it's not going to be work and it, you know, still really isn't work. Right. Right. So, so you exit out of the business, right? Yep. I would imagine 
it sold it sold for you know a nice a nice capital gain. And by the way, um, what you shared, I love what you shared about giving back to your family. You know, because they provided the the, the foundational pieces for you to be able to step into the space that you're in and honoring your yep. honoring your folks and putting it to work. I I really really admire that, Eric. But so you you exit the business. What happened next? Um. Well, there were some things that were a little bit beyond my control, went through one of the dips and I went through a series of trying to figure out what was going on. Cause you gotta, gotta think about something and, and for the audience to hear this. Um, when you work in a family business for long enough, you, you begin to see it as your identity. And so what ended up happening is I went through a bit of an identity crisis because I'm like, okay, this is all I knew hmm. for half my life more than half my life. A guy grew up with this practically because I was so young when, uh, when dad started the business, that was all I knew. And, you know, uh, I was called the financial guy. And even though I didn't do finance people, you know, people called me that. And so I had this identity thing go on where I'm like, well, it's not really who I am. It's not really what I want to do long-term. So what ended up happening is I just started trying stuff to figure out what I wanted to do next. What I didn't know at that time is that I could make a business out of boats or make a business out of, you know, private jets or that I could make a business out of those things that I really liked. I just always saw them before I had the understanding of it. I saw them as uh, just something you go spend money on. You know, uh, rich people have these because they can just go buy them. That was before I understood how taxes work and how all this stuff works. Then once you understand that, you're like, okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> so, right. so uh, now I got to put the work in, right? You know, right? Exactly, exactly. So you know, I worked at um, uh, a local outlet mall. Um, I worked at a place that sold luxury golf carts. I sold, I sold, you know, or, or flipped luxury watches like uh, you know Rolex and uh, Potted Fleep and and like luxury watches like that, high end stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did Amazon, um, sold, you know, sold products on Amazon. I did drop shipping. I did, I did Shopify stores. I had an advertising agency for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I did stuff with, you know, real estate agents, mortgage, mortgage brokers, golf cart dealers, um, all kinds of different stuff. And the thing was, it never really, it never really clicked, but what happened was, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was building the skill set that I would use later on without knowing I was going to use it. And I remember asking myself with, uh, in particular with the agency. Um, and then when I was on Amazon also, I remember asking myself one day, why am I doing this? Mm. This isn't what I want to do. I don't want to sit at a computer all day. That's not what I want to do. What is, what am I doing? And I remember thinking to myself, just keep doing it and see what skill comes out of it. And so I stuck with it for a little bit until I felt it was time because, you know, at some point it wasn't paying the bills anymore. I'm like, okay, now it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, some really cool stuff started opening up uh, in the boat business. I had had no idea. And when I started, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue what to do. I'd never heard the terms I heard before. You know, um, it's one of those things where you say yes and figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> That's what we were working down to. <laughs> Folks, we are Infinity X replay. We are infinityx.com. We are Infinity X YouTube and on the app. And uh, we're speaking with, with Eric Pierce here. And Eric, the name of your company is? 
30A Boat Valet. 30A Boat Valet, folks. Pay attention. We're going to get deep into what 30A Boat Valet is doing. But so, Eric, at the time, at, so you're at a you're, you're at you're at a crossroads, right? You've done a number yep. of things since exiting out of the uh, out of the family business. You know that you have a passion for boats. Did you own a boat at that at the point when you decided to start start a business in that space? No, I didn't. Um, what I did was <sighs> actually I take that back. I didn't do anything except I said yes to an opportunity. So okay. this what happened was <clears throat> a little background on how this got started. So I was working at a at this uh, luxury golf cart dealer, right? When I say luxury golf cart dealer. Um, some people will, you know, in the audience will imagine, you know, playing the golf course, driving a golf cart and buying those kind of golf carts, right. That kind of dealership, like club car, Yamaha, something like that. Yep. So this dealer, um, their average price of golf carts is about 12 to $15,000. Holy man. Um, the most expensive golf cart I'd seen them sell was. I think it was $69,000 out the door. Oh my so when God, I say luxury golf carts, I mean luxury golf carts. Like you oh could go God. buy a Mercedes for the same price. I was about to say, it's like a Maybach, you know? I mean, like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. I mean, on, on that scale, it absolutely is. And that was actually like the Maybach of um, golf carts uh, with hmm. the, the, the type of car it was. Ironically, it was a billionaire from uh, um, South Florida that bought it. He bought two of them. One for himself, one for his security team to uh, move around in. And then he had it shipped down. Like they, I mean, it was just crazy. And he was on his yacht at the time, right? Um, so, uh, so I was there. And, you know, again, it was another desk job because I was doing internet sales. That's what I was hired for was internet sales, marketing, social media, things like that. Something I yep. knew about, but didn't really, there wasn't really a thing I liked or had a passion for. It was like, I do it because it's there and it's, you know, it's a distribution network. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was there for close to two years. I think it was about a year and a half. And um, one day a coworker, he and I had, you know, connected, build, build a relationship Um I call it broship. <laughs> uh, so we, we built a little, a little broship and um, uh, he came to me one day and knocked on my door of my office and peeked his head in and says, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm headed out in two weeks. I'm like, like, like you're leaving as in like, you're leaving, like you're going on vacation or like you're gone. You're, you're going to work somewhere else. Cause I'm going to work somewhere else. And I said, okay, well, you know, he was, you, there's a few people. He's like, there's a few people I want to say, you know, say goodbye to because I want to stay connected. Um, so I started thinking about, it, I'm like, I wonder what he's going to do. So I caught up with him a little bit later. I'm like, so what are you, you know, what are you going to do? I'm curious. Cause at that point I was literally, I was literally sitting at my desk going, there's gotta be something else I can do. I don't want to do computer for the rest of my and I'm sitting there decided, okay, I'm what I want to do or the idea I have in my head of what I want to do along with a few goals. I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to keep it right here at my desk. So I wrote a few things down. Um, not super, super detailed, but detailed enough that it was like, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted and I knew what I didn't want. I think sometimes knowing what you don't want is as important because you can narrow down what you want. I agree. 
I agree. Yeah. Identification so, things you don't want and the things that you're not good at. Yes, exactly. Outsource those. Absolutely. <clears throat> totally agree. So, so I did that and, uh, I didn't take, you know, I didn't take a whole lot of paper, just, just a little bit of paper. Um, basically it was on one sheet. I just wrote kind of three points down, just something to get what was in my mind or what I was kind of what I was sensing, I guess, get it on paper so I can look at it and read it and, and actually define it. Um, that was the most important thing to me is I needed to define it at that point because I was at a point of feeling lost, um, not doing what I wanted to do, knowing I didn't want to be there for the rest of my life and basically saying something's got to change and it's got to change now. Not soon, not fast. Now it's got to happen. Not going to do this for the rest of my life. My family deserves better. I deserve better. It's time to move. It's time to go. It's time to do something. And, and right there, by the way, Eric, ladies and gentlemen out there, if you have a question for Eric, put it in the chat, but ask yourself the question, when was the last time you felt that way? We all have felt that way. The question is, are you feeling that way now? If you are, feeling that way, if you're feeling that way now, pay attention to what happens next. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. No worries. So, um, so basically it was, it was this process of, I was certainly unhappy with what I was making because what I was making to me seemed pathetic. When I look at a monthly basis, let alone when I look at a yearly basis and be like, there are people that make this in a day. And I basically had to get ticked off at myself enough that I was a little, little bit more behind the scenes. I would literally go to the bathroom at this place. I would stand at the mirror and look at myself in the mirror and say, you've got to do better. And this has got to change now. There is no time. You have to change now. This has got to change. And I just keep telling myself that. And I'm like, what are you going to do? This is pathetic. And I remember looking at taking my paycheck into the bathroom and looking at it and looking at myself and saying, you're going to do something about this because this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. This is unacceptable to treat your family like this. This is unacceptable that you are actually accepting this. You have accepted this for the last year mm. and you have been okay with it. Stop being okay get ticked off and do something about it. So I remember having this self conversation. I was literally talking out loud. This wasn't a quiet conversation. In fact, when I stepped out of the bathroom, one of the, one of the guys that was working at me walking by, I was like, you're right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. I was on way, the we've, phone. All, we've all been there as well, folks. <laughs> Every single person has been there. So you are not alone in that. I, you know, I've, I've, I've caught that look before myself. Yeah. So, but so you're pissed off, but you're, you're, you're pissed off and you're feeling like, okay, me mediocrity loves company and I don't want to be part of that company. Right. So what did yep. you do? So, um, once I, once I kind of got out of that, it was actually that step that led me to start, uh, writing my note down with the goals defining. And so I literally went back to my desk and I sat down I, I have this thing and I still do this. Um, I, I kind of have a tendency to, to stare into space, but it's because I have, I'm very visual. I have photograph, photographic memory. I envision things. I see things um, where, uh, you know, I'll imagine what I want my future to look like. And I, I 
literally visualize it to the point of it feels like a dream. I go very deep. Um, and this is something practice. You have to make yourself, uh, um, you have to make yourself really sit down and take the time and focus on it. It's a muscle. Being able to envision what you want your future to look like is a muscle and you have to exercise. And if you don't have that, Ooh, I love that. there's a proverb that, uh, a proverb that says, uh, without a vision of people fail. And, uh, and so, um, I get to my desk, I just sit in the chair and I start thinking and I start saying, okay, what do I want to do? What does it look like? What does the next step look like? And here's what, here's what I came up with. And I'll tell you exactly how, how the thoughts went. And I, and I even wrote it down. I said, okay, I don't want to sit at a desk anymore. I don't want to stare at a computer anymore. I don't want to look out this window anymore. I don't want to be looking out a window. I want to be outside. That's what I want. I want to be outside. I want to work with my hands a little bit, but I don't want to do construction. I don't really like construction. It's not my thing. So I don't want to do that. If there's a way I can work with things that I've, I've dreamed of, that would be ideal. I wonder if there's something in boats that I could do that I could get involved with. And let me uh, stick a side note, pin that, stick a side note on it. 2018 or 19. Um, I took my family on a little vacation, uh, basically just a weekender. We went up to Lanier Islands in Georgia. And I remember being at the resort we were staying at. Um, we had been saving up for this. Sometimes when I tell people this, they're like, well, how, how'd you do that when you're in such a situation? I'm like, well, we had, we had planned this. We had saved up for it over, over the course of about a year between my wife and I, we usually, we usually do like a kind of an epic vacation once a year where we'll take two or three weeks and just go hit like a few States or we'll go to Europe and see your family and visit all kinds of places. And it's kind of like our, like just go all out grand finale vacation. Right. right? So we save it up and just, you know, make it happen. So, um, so we went to linear islands and I, uh, I saw boats cause this was, you know, these are islands surrounded by water, lakes, Lake Lanier. I told my wife, I was like, let's rent a boat tomorrow. Let's go out on a, like a pontoon boat or something like that. I've never done that before. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to drive a boat. She goes, okay, cool. Let's do it. So I, um, I ended up calling the next morning, called around to a couple of places, found one super, super cheap. It was like 200 bucks, two hours. And I'm like, let's do it. And I remember my old coworker at the golf cart place. Um, he was an, an avid boater and had been a boat owner and all that stuff. And I said, uh, we were talking about pontoons. He's like, if you ever get the chance to, and you take a pontoon out, make sure it's a tri-tune. And I'm like, what's that? He goes, it's basically, it's a pontoon boat, but it has three hulls on it. It's got three floats, wow. so two floats, like most pontoon boats. And I said, okay, well, that sounds, that sounds interesting. He goes, trust me. It makes a difference. They ride better. They look better. They feel better. The whole thing is a better deal. I'm like, okay. So we get there and I wow. remembered this. Okay. And I, I remember asking the company, hey, do you, do you have any tri-tunes? They're like, yep, all of our boats are tri-tunes. I'm like, awesome. So we get there. I take their little, you know, licensing thing. I get on the boat. We get out on the water. And I had the thought right there on the spot. I looked at my wife and I said, 
there's going to be an opportunity that I'm going to take and I'm going to be able to work with boats, use them for free, make good money, and I'm going to be able to change my future and our future. And I'm going to turn something it. huge and it's going to come become something big and major. I said, I don't know what it is. I have nope. no idea, no nope. clue. I don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, anything like that. But that's what's going to happen. She goes, okay, cool. Let's do it. Make sure you say yes. I said, absolutely, I'll say yes. Check this out. Um, fast forward. I get my envision done of saying I want to work with my hands, but not construction. Something that has a little has a little manual labor enough that I can work up a sweat and feel good, you know, feel good about the day. Something I can do well with. Something I can build something out of. And um, that was a couple weeks before the door knock of of my uh, coworker buddy leaving. Mm-hmm. So I chased mm-hmm. him down, like, so, dude, what are you doing? Where are you, you know, where are you going? He's like, well, um. I'm going to, I'm pulling boats. I'm like, what's pulling boats mean? He goes, well, I have some friends that have a rental company. And basically what happens is the customers rent the boats. Um, they, but they keep them dry stored. Like they're stored on the trailer on the ground. What I do is I hook my truck up to the trailer. I, I tow the boat to the ramp, put the boat in the water, give them a little disortation. And then when they come back, I, I load up the boat and, you know, take it back. I was like, Oh, Okay, I never heard of that. He goes, yeah, it's kind of a unique sort of thing, but you know, it's cool. I have fun with it, and I get to use the boats. I was like, well, that's cool. Like, do you have do they have a you know a spot for another person? He's like, well, I don't really think they do right now, but I'll I'll keep you posted. And about I don't know, a month goes by. Two weeks after that, um, uh, surprise door knock. I noticed my my credentials stopped working in uh, certain places on the computer, and I'm going. Oh. something's going on here and yeah. then another one stopped working while i was in uh in this like dashboard kind of thing and i'm like i'm about to be fired about to be fired Son of a gun. Unbelievable. quick thought about to be fired i'm like okay prepare for it you're gonna say yes this is an opportunity and you're gonna move forward this is what you've been looking for right this is the opportunity this this is your out and i was like okay so owner comes knocking on, my, on the office door. He's like, Hey, would you come in and see me before you leave? I'm like, sure. And it's five Oh two. I'm going, well, I'm leaving now. So <laughs> I go into his office. We have a sit down. He tells me he's letting me go kind of a little bit of a blow, but at the same time, I was kind of oddly in a very weird way, excited. Yeah. And, absolutely. and it was one of those things where he was cool about it too. He's like, you know what? We left on good terms is really what it came down to. It's like, I just, you know, I don't think this is your passion. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, I'll be honest. It really isn't. I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I've been thinking about it. And I said, this is very timely. Like this is, I'm going to take this as an opportunity. And he, his face kind of lit up. He's like, that's good. That's good. He's like, you do that. And whatever you need, just give me a call. You know, if you want advice, if you need help with anything, he's like, you got you my number. Job, but, but you got my number. <laughs> Right. right. Well, the funny thing was, is we actually did stay in contact, um, uh, you know, down, down the road. And um, so, so anyway, um, still didn't have anything to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just out of job and I got to go do something. 
And um, I had worked at, you know, the Alabama Mall before that. I'd, I'd been there three different times. I'm like, I am not going back to the Alabama Mall. I'm not doing that anymore. Yep. Not happening. It's right. got to be something else. So anyway, two weeks go by. I called my buddy uh, that day and I said, hey, it just happened. He's like, you know, I had a feeling that's why you were calling. And then he gave me inside scoop that they're actually letting a whole bunch of people go because this was when uh, COVID hit. Okay. And so it just made sense. So um, I said, Hey dude, keep, you know, keep me posted. If there's a spot, he's like, I, he goes, I'll go beyond that. I'll start putting the bug in their ear. Hmm. He's like, cause you know, you, I know you, I know your family. I know you've got to be able to, you got to be able to, you know, take care of them and stuff. So anyway, another, I think three days go by. It's a Thursday, uh, a Thursday afternoon. I get a call. Here's Brooks. And uh, I pick up the phone. He's like, I've got good news. And mm. I said, I like when a phone call starts that way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, he said two words. You're in. Mm. And I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, you're in. I was like, when do we start? He goes, Saturday. Be geared up. Be ready to go Saturday. I'm like, sweet. I said, I've never done this before. So he's like, don't worry. I got you. So, um, that, that Saturday, um, went met him and I got started and what I was doing was I was, uh, towing boats, connect to the trailer, launch them, which means put them, take them off the trailer, put them in the water, yep. put the customer on it, go back, load the boat back up. So it was the physical aspect I wanted, which was the work on the boats, the trailers, things of that sort, but it wasn't right. overwhelming. The crazy part was the day I started my, my actual first official day where I did my first boat myself mm -hmm. was exactly one year from when I took my family to Georgia and we were on that boat. And I said, the opportunity is going to come and I'm going to say yes. And here's what it's going to, what I'm going to be doing. Okay. So the thing was, is working for this rental company, I had uh, free access to the boats whenever I wanted. So I had use of the boats, made really good money. That was the first time I'd seen 10 grand a month in years. Mm -hmm. And to go from uh, basically $24,000 a year mm -hmm. internet sales, that's what I was talking about was pathetic. So from 24,000 a year to basically 10,000 a month. Um, and then you know, went through some, some things with that too. Uh, mm -hmm. had a jealous owner. Um, they fired me. The uh, owner was jealous of, uh, that I was making more than him. Mm. So other things too, won't go into the full explanation, but, um, fired from that. Next thing was became an operator. Okay. So I started captaining the boats. It was the next step. Because when I started uh, operating the boats or, or, you know, towing the boats, um, I was like, okay, at some point, I think I would like to do my own charter, my own rental service. Mm -hmm. Yep, that makes but sense. But I need to, what's that? I said, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to learn the ins and outs. I need to learn the business. I need to learn what I'm doing. So I went from being, you know, towing the boats, 
learning how to manipulate the boats, move around the docks and get comfortable with them where I understood what I was doing, did that. Then I became an operator, got used to the waterways around here, got used to what I was doing and all that stuff. Um, and then that quit same way. So each time I had a change, each time it was time to move to the next step, mm -hmm. uh, the yep. rug got pulled out from under me. Some kind of sudden change, like drastic change, like lose a position or this happens. And, and I would feel each time I felt like I was just left out to dry. Um, or being presented an opportunity, Eric. Exactly. So it's yeah. been really interesting for me. Once I feel a level of comfort, something big changes and I have to adapt. I'm forced well, to adapt. Let's hold on a second, folks. That, let's play in that space for a moment because the yeah. moment. Yeah, because because comfort, quite honestly, is the enemy of expansion in many cases, right? And so the entrepreneur and the business and and or the business owner um, needs to be very very careful when things become overly comfortable, right? Because mm -hmm. at any point in time, a partnership can dissolve. At any point in time, a curveball risk, right? This is all about risk management, ladies and gentlemen, right? A risk can be thrust into your world that you weren't prepared for. And you, you know, you, you know, that comfort evaporates in a heartbeat, right? And, you know, and so the question is, are you going to allow it to, you know, essentially drive you back to mediocrity, drive you back to internet sales? Are you going to allow that to drive you back to the nine to five? Or are you going to, uh, you know, look at the ultimate vision, which, by the way, I love the fact that you shared that vision is an exercise that you need to do with your brain each and every single day. I love that. I think that's yep. a very powerful statement. Replay, we are infinityx.com. We are infinityx YouTube. So you, you Eric, you, you, you capped So you first, you know, we're moving the boats, right? Then mm -hmm. you, then you captain the boats. Now, what, what, what happened? What happened now? So, um. One guy uh, found some other uh, operators that were, you know, I wasn't a licensed captain at the time, but you don't, for what that was, the type of operation was legally, you don't have to be a licensed captain for that type of operation. But what ended up happening is he met some, uh, some other captains who were actually very highly, highly qualified captains. And, uh, and he wanted to build his business more, build what he was doing a little bit more. Ironically, I was actually, um, I'd actually made the recommendation to him because uh, <laughs> the guy I operated for first, he had actually found my Facebook ad for towing boats. Oh, wow. And he had called me up because he's like, I have a boat that just sits there. We use it a couple times a year, but I don't like launching and picking it up. Um, you know, is that something, can you do that? I'm like, sure. And, I, and we got talking a little bit more, got discussing things and, um, uh, kind of getting to know each other a little bit over the phone. And uh, I said, have you ever thought about, um, you know, renting your boat out? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, have you ever thought about renting your boat out so you can like make some money on it? And then he's like, well, I tried, uh, there's, there's an app uh, uh, called boat setter. And then there's one called get my boat. Mm -hmm. And I told him about, um, uh, this app called get my boat because I had been looking at that because you got to remember, I've been looking at the market very closely for a good year, year and a half yep. prior to meeting him. And I had been studying the space cause that's, that's where I was headed. I just didn't know exactly how I was going to get there. 
And I had a little bit of reservation in me because it was such a big play for me to just go buy a boat and do it. Sure. So I was, I was um, being transparent here. I was a little bit scared of that. And so my way around the fear was to go operate other people's boats for them. Um, By the and- way, that's no different than Velocity Banking, Eric. That is zero yep. different, right? OPM, right? Yep. If I can figure out a way to creatively leverage what is available to me to then go acquire other assets while still earning a rate of return on what I'm doing, you know, higher velocity on your dollar, earn money in two different places at once. Totally get that. Exactly. And so, and that's, you know, so essentially that's what happened. I used other people's money, but in this case, it was, uh, it was other people's assets. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, so what I did was, um, uh, you know, I, I, I was going to launch and pick up his boat for him. Mm-hmm. You know, mentioned that you could do that. He had told me he had tried one of the other apps and had like a few, you know, rentals on it, but he didn't really know what, you know, what to do with it or whatever and got off of it or something like that. And I told him about this other, you know, this other platform. Mm-hmm. And I said, you got to get on that and I'll, you know, I'll write stuff for you. Um, Cause again, I have that background in internet sales. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, um, there's something, I forget if it was a description or something I wrote for him. I did, there was some kind of contribution I was making to help him uh, get it going. Um, and I remember him like texting me. Uh, I think it was the next night or maybe it was that night. I forget now, but he was like, dude, I got a booking. I got a booking like three days from now. And it started, it started, you know, getting momentum. And he's like, Hey, if, uh, can you operate the boat for me? Can you be like, can you be an operator? I'm like, sure. Again, say yes and figure it out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was the first one. And so I ran By the, the way, boat. For- how much were they booking for? Just out of curiosity. Um, then it was, it was like five, I think five or six hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks, somewhere in that area. I want to say it was five, five or six hundred. For how long? Like four hours. Wow, five hundred dollars. Okay, okay. Somewhere uh, in that area, which is around here. That's pretty, uh, pretty average. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, you know, these are, these are like our boats are, you know, luxury pontoons. They're higher end or higher value, things of that sort. When people get on them, they notice the difference. They notice the difference when they look at the boat. But anyway, um, going, going back to this. So, so I ran his boat for a little while and then, um, uh, then he, uh, you know, parted ways with me. So uh, I ended up talking to a neighbor, literally two doors down from me. And he had told me, just texted me out of the blue one day. He's like, I'm thinking about buying a boat. I said, you should buy a boat. You should rent it out and let me drive it. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, why just pay cash for a boat and just have it sit there? And he said, okay, what do you have in mind? I'm like, rent it out, make money on it. Use it to make money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a little while later, when one, you know, one door closed and the door opened. So I operated a little longer. Um, and then, um, I don't remember what happened on that one. Well, I was operating his boat and that was when I was like, um, I can't remember what, what happened. There's a gap there and I can't remember what it was, but anyway, it came down to it. You know, I think things slowed down or something like that or something happened. And I basically had, you know, very little left in my 
bank account. And that's when I was like, I need to buy a boat and do it myself. It's time. Yep. It's the time. It's the time. So yep. I had 400 bucks left in my account and I got my uh, pre-approval letter from my credit union, which happened kind of all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I called the bank up because it was an auto loan. And I called him up and I said, you do boat loans, right? I said, yeah. I said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, you have a pre-approval letter for a car, right? I'm like, yeah. I said, well, you can use that for a boat too. I said, okay, this okay. sounds good. Because yeah. their pre-approval letter, the way they do it, it's no hard pull. Um, the pre-approval letter is like, it's gold to me. Um, really? And it has been because there's no hard pull on your credit. You've got, you can uh, delay payments up to 90 days. And it's mm-hmm. usually the terms are uh, based on your credit score. So my credit had been working its way up. Right. And I was like right under their maximum um, uh, amount that they'll fund. So basically, I figured out what boat I wanted, went and posted in a Facebook group, which Facebook groups became my thing, kind of my specialty. It's how I built my business too uh, in the very beginning. So mm-hmm. going to a Facebook group, I figured out exactly what I wanted. I posted it. Five minutes later, this dude goes in the Facebook group. And uh, he says something like this. I was like, yes, exactly like that. Like 10 minutes later, we're on the phone for two and a half hours getting to know each other. Um, And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this boat. This is it. I'm not going to look anymore. That's the boat. So it took a month to get that worked out. But in the interim, what I did is I went and created my account on the uh, platforms, get my boat in particular. And the reason I mentioned, uh, I'm actually talking about the platform is um, uh, I actually help people uh, build their business and, and provide tips and so on. I actually created a new Facebook group since we spoke last. It's called how hmm. to start and scale a boat charter business. That's Ooh, the Facebook okay. group. It's got literally, it's like four, four people in the group right now, four members. It's that new. But what I'm doing is each day as close to each day as I can, I go in and I post his tip. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start getting, you know, deeper diving or diving deeper into, uh, the process of how, you know, how to do it and what to do. Okay. Um, anyway, so, so, so now uh, have you gotten this? So now you're at the point where, okay, you're buying the boat, right? Yep. And was that the actual launch of 30 a valet? That was, yeah, that was the actual launch of 30 a boat valet. So, so what I did was took, like I said, it took about a month to get that together. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to wait a month to get things going. If there's delays, whatever, we'll get through it. So I'm like, okay, next step, let's go create an account and start marketing. So I had the business. I didn't want to wait till I had the boat. And then the, the lag time it would take, because there's always unexpected. There's always variables. I didn't want to have variables happen after I got the boat when the payments is coming. I needed profit being produced immediately. So basically what I did is I went and drummed up a, um, a, uh, a booking, a charter, the first charter on the boat. And uh, we're a week out and the deal wasn't done. And I had this charter booked. I had the date. I had the people. I had all that was ready to go. I had the deposit. And um, uh, they were going to move it back. And I said, no, we'll, we'll be there to pick it up on the 3rd, August 3rd. And there was some back and forth and things like that. And I told my wife, I was like, I got, we got to go get this boat. 
She goes, we can just drive up there. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. It's up in Mississippi. It's mm-hmm. a six hour drive. So comes down to it a week later. And in my mind, I'm like, I have this charter going. Well, I, I mentioned it to my wife, but she didn't really realize it was real. So August 3rd, we drive up to Mississippi. We pick up the boat. Obviously, details had gotten worked out. We come back down. We get in at like 9 p.m. Tuesday night. And I'm, I'm cleaning the boat and everything. My wife's like, why don't we just go home and go to sleep? It's been a long day. I'm like, well, because I've got a charter tomorrow. This, the boat has to be ready. I got to leave at 5 a.m. She's like, what do you mean? like i have my first booking tomorrow morning i have to leave at 5 a.m she's like are you serious yes i am dead serious right now that's why i've been pushing to get this thing on the ground and get going she's like well shoot get it cleaned up you got a booking tomorrow i'm like what's i'm trying to say (laughs) so i got home i got home at like 12 a.m i got up at 4 a.m so I get home at 12 a.m., which means I didn't actually get to sleep until like 12.31. I get back up at uh, 4 a.m. I leave at 5. I go pick up the customer. You know what the funny thing was? The customer was the other, uh, it was a large group, and this was the second part of the group. And it was referred from the guy who had originally let me go. Oh, yeah. yeah. So things came full circle at this point. Now we're doing business together. Mm-hmm. relationships yep. so um so anyway um had the first charter and i ended up having uh being booked out the rest of that week and then from there just hit just took off and you know then i uh, uh eba together llc so one of my other things is i um, i created an llc three two two years before that for a different company that I thought I was going to start, never did. And I'm like, I'm just going to hang on to this in case I need to use the LLC for some reason. And I could just put a DBA on it or something like that. Yeah. And so, so Eric, well, that time came. Yeah. Well, that time came about. Right. And so now let me ask you, right. Because the, the, the folks on here, um, you know, I think, I think are really, really interested in understanding like, what do the margins look like? Like what, tell me, tell me a little bit more about 30A boat valet, you know, like what, like what research went into it? Like what type of ROI can it actually produce to own a boat? Um, it actually depends on a number of things. It depends on the type of operation. If you're running a, what I call a wet operation or dry operation. Um, I have a dry operation currently and um, you know, the margins are, are pretty good standard. There is an industry standard because this is, you got to keep in mind, this is a multi multi billion dollar industry. It's nothing small. It's nothing that's just newly discovered. The, the thing that makes us different is that we have a different, our operation is a spinoff basically. So I use a law in coast guard regulations that, either number of things either isn't used correctly is misused or is uh, misunderstood. Mm. And so what I did was uh, as far as my operation goes, I did a deep dive into coast guard law into this particular set of regulations to understand it and its definitions before I really started operating fully uh, into this uh, in this area, which is what allows us. I've told you before we can take up to 13 people plus captain. Well, that's a very significant 
regulation. That's something very significant because most small charters or rental companies can only take, you know, six people. Oh, wow. And it's because there's two types of, of um, regulations. There's commercial and there's recreational. Mm-hmm. Most people know of commercial regulations, which is where insurance is super high. Uh, cost of operation is super high because you take the captains and staff, you employ them. Um, and there's, there's another, a number of other, you know, of other things that, uh, that goes on there um, uh, that prevents, in my opinion, prevents growth. So with recreational regulations in Coast Guard law, you can take more than double the people on the boat. The reason that's so significant is our market around here. This is really its market particular. Mm-hmm. Our market is a lot of bachelorette parties, family get together. So you'll have two families get together and share the cost or something to that effect, right? So there's these big, these, these, this demand for large groups. So um, where most companies only take six because of their licensing and, and regulations that they operate under, we can do more than that. So that's one thing, one of the big things that sets us apart. Well, industry standard as far as uh, profit margin goes is 70%, 70% uh, profit margin. So 30% expenses, 70% profit margin. Hmm. Now, if you're going to look at ROI, it's going to depend on the type of boat you invest into. But, um, uh, you know, basically this is the way of turning. See, it used to be that boats were liability. Yeah. That was before. But everybody, break out another thousand. Right. That's what people think. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, my term for it is bring in another thousand. It's like, you know, <laughs> I got, I got to change that. Uh, I got to change that, uh, that yeah, boat right. into something else. <laughs> um, bring over another thousand. Bring How about that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. So that the, the type of boat uh, level of investment is what determines the ROI. Because your percentages will stay the same, but your dollar amount increases is really what happens. So a million dollar boat, let's say, or let, let's just say a hundred thousand dollar boat, which would be a really nice pontoon. Um, okay. You're probably looking at. Yeah, let's, play, let's play in that space. Let's, so let's say that I, Dave Harder said, you know what? I, um, I call you and I say, Eric, you know, I, I, I am thinking about, I'm thinking about buying a boat, but I'd like to rent it out. What, you know, what's mm-hmm. the value add that you provide to me? And then what type of ROI could I expect on that? Um, it goes back to the investment amount. If it's a hundred grand, let's just, just use that as a whole number. Mm-hmm. Um, basically what we do and for, uh, for the audience listening, um, we have partners that we work with and basically the way that works is it's not a partnership in the company. The partner buys the asset and basically uh, forms a partnership with us. Um, where we we basically split the uh, the profit, and the way we do that is um, uh, we take the gross out and we split the net profit. So after all expenses, that's that's marketing, your mortgage, your on the boat, you know, all these expenses that you go through in the boat, whatever's left that net, that's what we're going to split. Um, and and typically you're going to see again seventy percent profit margin. So you split that 50-50. It's pretty healthy. Um, a pontoon boat can make thirty grand in a month, twenty grand in a month. What? Um, in what, what? Is that a yeah. net positive pro? Net net in my pocket. Well, I'm saying revenue. Oh, okay. so revenue. So take say, take if you take you know, let's just call it. Let's just split the difference and say twenty five grand. 
This is in season. So when I say in season, I mean it's hot season when we've got all those. Remember I told you we get 27 million visitors a year in the area? Yeah. yeah. Um, so when all those people are here and they're renting boats, yeah, that's when you can expect that. Not in winter time. Winter time is still uh, still too slow. But five months out of the year is our hottest season. Um, that's when you can see, you know, 25, 30 grand a month in revenue. You know, you take... Uh, you take marketing out of that um, marketing. You're you're looking at let me think about probably three to five thousand dollars in marketing. But that three to five thousand dollars a month in marketing um, produces not only for that month, but usually produces for about th- uh, three months in total. Okay. So your ROI on that spend is anywhere from twenty to fifty grand. So it's pretty I, crazy. That's insane. So we, we, ladies and gentlemen, we are infinity X stage and microphone human excellence. This is Eric Pierce company is 30 a boat valet. And um, you can check them out on social media. Um, where, where do they find you on social media, by the way, Eric? Um, two profiles, uh, 30 a boat valet, which is Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, like all over. Um, and then my, my brand is Eric Pierce, which is Eric J Pierce on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc. Um, and it's all me doing all the content, nobody else. Love so <laughs> replay yeah. infinity X.com. We are infinity X YouTube and on the app. And so, so ladies and gentlemen, so I'm, 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 I'm mortgaging. I'm essentially financing a hundred thousand dollar boat. Right. But, yep. but 30, but, but 38 valet is going to do what for me? Because I don't know the first thing about boats. Okay. So basically what you're looking at, you know, when you're financing a boat, on average, you're looking at 20% down, just to go through a little bit of detailed numbers there. Mm-hmm. Average is 20% down. There are companies that do 10% down. So essentially uh, 20K on average controls 100K asset. Okay. Um, uh, and you're going to have an entry cost um, so you've got your your down payment. All in all, you're going to be looking at putting up to I would say up to forty grand um, into the asset to get it off the ground. Okay. Um, from that point, what you're looking at is probably looking around a five on a pontoon boat. Split this way, you're looking around probably five grand a month, somewhere in that area. Mm. Um, and I'm just throwing out. And off the top of my head, uh, fairly educated guess. So okay. five grand a month, you've put 40 into it. You're getting five grand a month. Um, your main payback is going to come in that five months a year here. Now, when we expand to other locations, that'll, that'll change, obviously. But for right here, you know, five, five times five is 25 grand. So you're, you're uh, you know, getting close to break even in year one. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's not too bad. You're looking at year two being, uh, being profitable. And, um, okay. And it's a tax write-off. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. So it's a tax write-off for you. And then you're doing the maintenance, you're doing the net, the, you're doing the, the, the captaining of the boat. So it's essentially just a total well, passive investment. Yeah. It's, it becomes, uh, it becomes passive. Really the only thing that would make it act would be when you get a maintenance bill for example we have mobile mechanics that you know for dry operation we have mobile mechanics that, mechanics that come and check on the boats do preventative maintenance do the servicing things of that sort 
So basically what happens is we put them in direct contact with the partner and they just pay those invoices. Um, uh, and basically that comes out of their, um, their side of the expenses, their side of the gross, so to speak. Okay. Um, it's like, a, it's almost like a, sh- for lack of better terms, like a shared gross. So we, 38 Boat Valley has its expenses. The partner has their expenses and we have people in the background that are breaking that down uh, um, in spreadsheets. And so, you know, you, you, you see what those numbers are. Um, and, you know, marketing is the biggest expense. I mean, obviously it's what produces the ROI, but it's the big, biggest expense of all of it. Uh, but it's what produces for the business. So um, uh, it's pretty, pretty darn cool. <laughs> and if somebody has a, if somebody has a policy with you that they've funded well, Oh yeah. But they really don't need to get a boat loan. They can go uh, get a loan against that policy. They and operate as their own the bank. Boat. That's exactly right, folks. That's exactly right. And you know, well, and, go ahead. and if we fast forward, is so so Eric. So you know, fast forward the clock. You bought that first boat. Now, thirty eight yep. LA is you're managing a fleet of how many? Well, we've actually downsized since we spoke last. Okay. Um, we're going to tighten up some things we had eight boats where we got rid of some of those. Um, uh, we look, I'm going to be transparent where this, because this is what I do. I don't just go promote and talk about all the positives because this is, this is going back to business. So um, what we've done is we've found some, some issues to resolve in the operation. So we started resolving those issues and that's, uh, we reevaluated everything here recently. I'm actually about ready to use, uh, use my policy um, I've got with you uh, because, you know, some things I, I've got going on in the background. Like I said, I'm that transparent guy that doesn't hide stuff. Yep. Like I'm not the guy that says, oh, this is great. It's wonderful. It's business. You're going to deal with stuff. Oh, There's sure. issues you're going to have. Of and people, some, because some people, you know, I, I get these people that, that think everything's just all great. Well, it's not always all great. No, I still it, have a business that I'm trying it, to grow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, if you're going to be, if, if you're going to be an investor in a business and or an operator in a business, if you're sitting there thinking that it's going to run itself and that you're not going to have costs of, you know, costs of doing business, you're out of your mind. Right. I mean, that's just the way that it's Absolutely. going. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Like this year, what happened, and this is one of the things that we deal with in our area. This is just part of the boating industry. Is we had weather to deal with, mm. we had maintenance things to deal with with boats. We were, you know, we were short more than half the fleet um, in the busiest part of the summer, and so we had cancellations to deal with. Well, you still have to pay for that advertising costs. Yeah. So what happens is, is you get this expense, and you have to try to recover. So like, you know, I'm about to use my policy and. Uh, basically I'm, I've got, not, it's not, and I don't want to call it an exit plan. It's more of a, my backup, my backup plan is going into place. Um, because when winter comes with the way the economy is changing and all that stuff, you just never know. You're always going to have a business in season though. That's the thing with the boat rental business. You're always going to have a business in season. It's the off season when you kind of pull back, you, you put in your mind, like I've put in my mind every year. Okay. Um, there might not be any more bookings for the rest of the year. So you got to set money aside to save, which is what I love about uh, the policies. Like I've already um, funded, started funding it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I've got another thing I'm doing right now, getting rid of an asset. 
I'm going to dump some more into it. And I'm probably going to be taking out my first loan on it because that's what it's there for. That's what you have a safety net for. So with that, use it to do what you need to do, make an investment and, and create some, some more cash flow off of it. So it, this isn't just about the boat business. This is about overall well-being. This is, uh, this is about legacy. This is about wealth, creating wealth. I'm not a wealthy guy yet. I'm not there, but I'm going to get there. And this is part of how I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's lessons to learn along the way. There's principles to abide by. And that's something that the audience needs to understand. It's not always going to be beautiful, flowery, sunny day. You're going to have your rainy days to deal with. Yep. And you better not be just trying to save your cash. You better be putting your cash into something that makes babies. Cash should be making its its own kids, right? It should be cash flow. That's right. It's got to be cash flow. If you don't have cash flow, cash is not key anymore. It's obvious cash is not key anymore. Your money has to work harder for you. It has to be constantly working for you at all times, right? Even when, you know, like, you know, to to the point that you made before, when seasons are slow, is the money that I've deployed into the assets still actually earning me a rate of return? And that's a big part of what we do with overfunding life insurance policies. That's a big, big piece of that. But also it's about financial positioning. But, you know, Eric, we're up on a, we're up on quarter after quarter after the hour here, brother. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to continue this at a different point, but real quick. Problem. You know what I did want to just like kind of leave the good folks that have spent the time with uh, with us this evening. Replay we are infinityx.com, we are infinityx YouTube and the app is you also um, are expanding outside of the United States. Am I right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> hopefully in the next uh, you know in the next twelve to eighteen months, um, going to the Bahamas <laughs> and uh, and and probably South Florida, Sarasota area in particular. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few things we're wanting to do down South, um, and, and, you know, in, in the islands and so on and, uh, working on it. I love it. I love it. Uh, folks, this, this is my, my, my boy, right? This is, uh, yeah. This is a, 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 a business relationship of mine. This is Eric Pierce. The business is 30A Boat Valet, luxury boat valet. Um, and that you can find him at, you know, on, on Instagram at 30A Boat Valet. You can also find him on, on Instagram and on Facebook at, at Eric Pierce. And Eric, um, you know, I can't thank you enough, brother. You know, I mean, obviously getting to know you and Eva has been a real, real, real pleasure. You know, we're up to incredible, incredible things. People want to understand more about what you're doing in this, you know, in this space, because it's a space that can provide a horizontal income. It's something that if you're partnered with the right individuals can create massive demand, right? You yep. go into it with the game plan in mind, understand what the outcomes can look like, right? And 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 map and be prepared to pivot for when, you know, exactly. Stormy weather comes in, you know, in the top of your season. So, Eric, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time giving, you know, my audience and the good folks out there education into the world of luxury, luxury boat rentals. And um, pay attention, people pay attention to what Eric is doing, because, um, you know, since I've gotten to know him, it's already uh, started to escalate. So, Eric, thanks, brother. You know, it really, really. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank again. you, Dave. 
You're very welcome, brother. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. Replay, we are infinityx.com. We are InfinityX YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, you're, you, we continue to look to bring value each and every single week, giving a stage and microphone to an entrepreneur that's doing something that you want to pay attention to. Eric, thanks, brother. Appreciate you all. My pleasure. All right, my brother. Have a wonderful night, everybody. We'll see you next week on InfinityX. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Infinity X. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching We Are Infinity X. Until next time.